we are just going to jump right in today um, to the message part. And what we're going to be doing, I'm just telling you ahead of time, we are going to be doing a book summary of the book Starving that we've been going through over the 21-day fast. Now, if you, that sounds boring to you, it might be. I don't know. We'll find out. But, um, but please don't check out because as I was preparing for this, on the one hand, I felt like it was really important that for anyone that went through the full 21 days or is still going through it, you know, we all started, some people started at different times, but whether you started, you know, went for a few days or this is your, you know, your day of liberation and you are eating today, or maybe it was last night, will you just raise your hand if the book touched you in some way, shape, or form? This book, I, I, I'm skeptical of books about fasting because I'm kind of, I, I don't like fasting. <laughs> just being honest, guys, I don't like it. Um, and I have to say, I felt like the author, Jess Strickland, really addressed all of the things that we might deal with and struggle with in fasting. I really appreciated his really honest and practical approach to this and the way that he delivered truth in such a gracious, gracious way. He would tell you, you know, a few days ahead of time, we're going to be preparing to, you know, drink more water. We're preparing to do a, a media fast. And so he would give you kind of a few days to warm up to the idea. But I loved what he, he had these quotes and he said um, that previously he didn't feel like he was qualified to write a book on fasting because he didn't like it either, even though he had done lots of fasts. And he said that fasting felt mostly like going without food and less like encountering God. Anyone ever done one of those kind of fasts? I feel like a lot of my fasts were like that. But he said fasting is not just foodlessness. And he really just sowed that seed all throughout the book that fasting is feasting on God. Fasting is feasting with Jesus. And he kept reminding us, guys, this is not just about going without food and starving, you know, in our bodies and being grumpy and grouchy and thinking of all the things that we can't eat. But this is about removing things from our life that would bring us closer to Jesus, that would bring us intimacy. And he said that kind of fasting leads to fruitfulness and to fullness. So I'm just going to kind of go through each of the days there are 21 of them. I'm going to try and go through them really quickly, and um, I hope that you guys find something, um, at least one nugget to take away, because there was just so much truth in this book. So the first day, uh, the first three days were really practical. They were um, journaling, getting into a habit um, of, of writing each day, and he actually said, set aside a specific time to meet with God. The second day um, was drinking water, and the third day was excluding junk food and sugar. That's a hard one. Um, not the sugar as much for me, but the junk food. So those things were really practical. And I just was excited that we didn't have to cut out all food, you know, the first day or two. But I noticed with the journaling thing, I don't know about you, but I hear God's voice more clearly sometimes when I write things down. And I appreciated that he said um, that it wasn't just about feeling God, but it was about having something to write down so that you could go back. You could read the prayers that you wrote out to God. You could read the things that you committed to do. But mostly you could read what God said back to you. 
and those kinds of promises are important. He talked about drinking water and how um, there's a link between hydration and function. So he really was like, look, we are not supposed to be going through this fast, foggy-brained and grumpy and grouchy. We have to drink water because water is healing to our bodies. He explained that, you know, you take your... Maybe some of you don't want to know this, but you take your body weight, <laughs> whatever that is in pounds. So if it was like 160, you divide it in half, that's 80, and you, you drink 80 ounces of water at least a day. And, you know, Pastor Bob has been joking with all the extra water means you go pee a whole lot more. Not anyone else experienced that, just lots of trips to the bathroom. And then um, excluding junk food and sugar. Also, very practical going into the effects of, of processed foods and sugar on our bodies. But I, I appreciated what he was talking about here when he said, this is really about denying our impulses. And that we're not supposed to have these impulses that lead us and control us. And we might have an impulse to indulge, to use a tub of ice cream as like a coping mechanism for a bad day or a hard week. But he also addressed the impulse that we might have to not eat or to work out too much. And he was talking about whatever your struggle is, this is about starting to say, okay, what are the things that I do, whether it's eating or not eating, that kind of set off that little part in my brain that releases dopamine that says that this, this feels good. I'm proud of myself for working out, or I'm proud of myself for not eating food, or I feel real good now that I ate all those fries and ice cream. And so I love that he was just like, look, guys, we got to get some practical things out of the way here. But then he totally just like hits you on day four with give thanks. And he challenged us all to fast from grumbling, complaining, a critical spirit, being judgmental. And I was like, wait, you were being so practical. <laughs> These were all good things for our bodies and our minds. And now you're telling us we have to fast from complaining. And I don't know about you, but I don't consider myself a really uh, uh, a complaining person. But when I had to fast from it, I realized how much I do it. And I even had people calling me on it like, remember, you're not supposed to be complaining <laughs> right now. Um, he talked about... There was a story in there about opossums, and his friend was attracting possums. And uh, he said, you know, the opossums of, of evil and chaos, we can stop attracting evil and chaos and disorder and unhappiness in our lives when we stop complaining. But it wasn't just about stopping the complaining. He wanted us to go further and to actually give thanks to God every single day. And the first day he just said, you know, write three things down. And that's something, I, I, I just did it last night with my kids. I don't do it all the time, but as they're going to bed, tell me three things you're thankful about, you know, for your, from your day. Then it's um, tell me a mistake or a failure you made that you, that you learned from. And then um, tell me somewhere where you notice someone going above and beyond. It could be in serving. It could be in generosity. It could be in kindness or patience. And it's a practical thing, but I don't know about you. This was something I kind of had to keep going back to, and I realized how much of our struggles are often in our minds and what we choose to focus on. 
Um, so then the next day, he's like, this is too important to just give this one day. Um, I want you now to be honest about the complaints that you're susceptible to. And he, ha- you know, he had different things you could, you know, and it was very convicting because I was like, no, no. Oh, that, that's one that I'm, I'm susceptible to. And so he says here um, that we can kind of get this kind of attitude. And maybe you'll, you know, I'll read this and you'll say, oh, that's not me. But see if there's anything about this that you can relate to. He was talking about how um, instead of being amazed at how well our world works, because he talked about giving thanks that it helps us to be amazed and in awe of God. It helps us to be amazed and in awe of other people, the circumstances we're currently going through and to find God in it. Um, He said, instead of being amazed at how well our world works, given our own personal assault on it, we act as though our self-centered, lust-driven actions, lust meaning selfish there, um, have had no negative influence on the world around us. And he says, I see you as worse than I. I see myself as not really that bad. I see what I do is mostly good. I see what you do is bad and not being related to anything I have done or am doing. I do not see the world when it seems to go wrong for me as being a result of anything wrong I have done. But further, this is the part, further, I do not see the world as being amazingly held together and thriving with life because of what Jesus has and is doing. And uh, so the commitment was to write five thank you notes over the course of the 21 days. And I have only written two so far. (laughs) But I realized how much I don't actually tell people. I have all these great thoughts in my head of, of what I think about people. And I know how much I feel affection for people or how grateful I am for them. I don't often put it in a tangible way, like writing it down and handing them a letter and saying, this is what you mean to me. So I know it um, put actions to, to my feelings. Um, day six was collecting scripture. So over the next few days here, he's going through um, preparing us for writing personal decrees, which are declarations of promises that God is giving us personally. And uh, so day six was collecting scriptures. What is God saying to you during this fast, going through the scriptures and finding promises in seed form? He says, long after the fast is over, these are the things that will continue to bear fruit in your life. Then you comment on scriptures, the scriptures you found, and you're making those scriptures personal to you. Then you finally take some time, and he said if it takes you the whole fast or even after, it's okay. But we were supposed to write um, a personal decree And it was supposed to be based off of scriptures and the comments, um, but it was meant to build our faith. How many times when you say something out loud do you realize um, the power of your words? And declaring the truth of God and saying it out loud and not just reading it is powerful. So this was our own little personal prophetic decree. And uh, I love it because it was really about getting, like we were saying in the song, things from our head into our heart. Okay, then, this is where he starts to talk about, okay, we need to start removing some things because on day nine, he goes into spending more time with Jesus. And this is where the ouch factor starts to come in a little bit more. He said that Jesus sought to separate the practice of fasting from every form of pretension or good deed. The goal wasn't to do something good, 
noble, or even spiritual. The goal was to be touched by God and to touch God. Once again, talking about feasting on God. And he was talking about us being set apart, holy, consecrated to God, and that sometimes we actually have to carve out more time. So he's preparing us for the next day, which is to fast one meal a day. And most of us, he says it takes about 30 to 45 minutes to um, at least consume a meal, if not prepare one, even if you're going to fast food, which you're not doing anymore right now. But to really look at that time as having a little date with Jesus, that is a time where you look at him. You look into his eyes. You listen to him. You're listening for what are you saying to me? And he did mention some more practical things here about um, God wanting us to take care of our bodies because he's, he's prepping us for uh, the Daniel fast and all the physical benefits to fasting and how many of our ailments in our body, our physical ailments, are linked to the food that we consume. So he's always throwing that in there. Um, I know for myself, does anybody else have that thing on your phone where you limit yourself on certain activities on your phone or you can say, you know, it'll give you a little alert. And I was so convicted before, you know, he even got to the digital or media fast um, because I will have um, an hour of time where I want to limit. I don't want to spend more than an hour on social media. Um, I thought that was a lot and I would never hit that mark when I put that alert on my phone. But how many times, and it's little moments over the day, it's not all at once, but how many times do I hit that mark? I've spent an hour on Instagram throughout the day, waking hours, mind you, and I go, man, what? What would my day have looked like? How different would it have been if, you know, when I had that three minutes before I'm picking up my kids to sit in my car and, and talk to God instead of getting on Instagram? and checking out what other people are doing in their lives. And sometimes I'll even say, like, well, but that's how I, I hardly hang out with people, so that's how I know what's going on in their lives. And God was like, or you could just ask me. I'll tell you. I'll put people on your heart. That person that's struggling, you don't need to see it on ins their Instagram post. I'll let you know. And I'll even give you something specific to say to them from me. So I know I was really personally convicted by that one. Okay, so we get into the, the Daniel fast here, and usually that's when you're just eating vegetables and fruit. Some people do grains or, or beans, but he didn't focus a lot on that. And we've done Daniel fast before where there was a huge focus on what we were eating, what can you eat on a Daniel fast, what is a true Daniel fast, and technically there's two kinds. But, um, you know, people are like, are you drinking coffee? Well, then, you know, that's not a Daniel fast. Are you eating beans? Well, the real one is where you just do fruits and vegetables, you know. And so people, we kind of get those things, but he didn't talk a lot about that. Instead, he talked about humility. And I was like, what? <laughs> I thought you were going to give us some recipes for some good Daniel fast foods or something. But no, he was like, this is about producing a humility in you, being open to correction, having a heart that says, what have I done that um, has separated me from the love of God? And so he kind of gives us this little model we can follow, but I thought it was amazing. He said he starts a lot of his times in, in his journaling time with God, like, Jesus, you love me so much that. Then he says, you know, Jesus... You love my wife so much that, or you love my kids so much, and he kind of goes, you love my city so much, and, and there's different things, but at the end he talks about 
what are the ways that we are being prideful? What are the ways that um, that is seeped into our hearts? And actually looking at that as, Jesus, you love me so much. You're letting me know of the ways I need to confess and repent. Day 12, though, we're supposed to be preparing for a media fast at this point. And uh, it just kind of gets more of the ouch factor as we go on because it goes from moving from acting on selfish desires and more and more into moving toward what God desires. So the, the day 12 was um, your media. Pete talked about the news. That's his crutch. <laughs> and I have actually kind of adopted that. I am someone now who, if I'm picking up my phone first thing in the morning, it tends to be news. Um, but he really wanted us to examine our relationship with technology. And guess what, guys? It's not just for the younger people in our congregation. It's for us older folks as well. Um, what are you consuming? How often? And then really asking God, what is the impact on me? Because he does talk about what we focus on. You've probably heard this before. What you focus on, you become like. So he uses the word worship, and most people would say, I don't worship social media. I don't worship the, the movies I'm watching on Netflix. I don't worship the music I'm listening to. But he said, what you focus on, you will become like. And this was an opportunity to say, man, is talk radio the best way to spend my commute? Or that, you know, murder mystery podcast? <laughs> not that any of those things are bad. It's not about any of those things um, being something you can't ever engage in. He was just saying, what has its impact been on you? And hopefully by removing it, you'll be able to see. And so the next day is just asking the Holy Spirit, what do you say about my digital use and my media consumption? And I didn't like what I heard. I don't know about you guys. Um, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't appreciate what the Holy Spirit was saying <laughs> because I found that some of my motives, you know, didn't seem so pure as I, as I thought. Then he kind of throws another curveball here, kind of like with the give thanks, right in the middle of like Daniel fast and media fast. Day 14 was forgive. And I was kind of like, what? What is it? Why? Wait, I thought we were just supposed to be, you know, talking about media and taking things out of our life. But um, he spends two days on this. And he says, we need to be able to see where our bitterness and our judgmental and critical attitudes towards others have defiled us. And he gives a story in there about um, someone that had wronged him when he was a new Christian. He was a baby Christian, and it was another um, Christian, somebody who had been a Christian longer, and how they had, um, you know, spread rumors about him. And he had avoided him. So I'm not someone who often talks bad about people. I forgive people pretty quickly. It's hard to offend me. Um, but if I feel like somebody has harmed me, I will avoid them. And um, not in a boundary kind of way. I mean, like, I just, that's my way of, like, I, I need some space. And God was talking to me about that with that story because he was saying that the Holy Spirit revealed to him that how many people have you defiled by your bitterness? And he kind of goes through and gives a number, and God says, add one because you defiled yourself too. Ouch. Um, so he's, he says here that um, we need to be able to liberate those that we have claimed are in debt to us. And I, I want to read here from, um, if I can find it here, the kind of fast that we need to, um, the kind of fast that we need to have. 
And hold on just a second here. I think I'm a day ahead of myself. Isn't this the fast? This is Isaiah 58, 6. Isn't this the fast that I chose to break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to tear off every yoke? He said, God is not interested in our food denials and is not impressed with our dietary self-discipline. He is far more interested in what happens during a fast. He is seeking to make us more sensitive to his voice and more open to our hearts becoming like his. And he says to withhold forgiveness is nothing less at the heart level than practicing slavery because you are deeming that person um, not worthy of being set free. So he really um, hits that one hard <laughs> and goes on to even say we are not to judge the motives of others. And yes, there are actions that you, you can go off of people's actions, but um, I found for myself this is something that um, I look at it like I'm just trying to understand them and see where they're coming from. But if someone has really harmed me, I will assign a heart motive to them. Even if I'm in the beginning trying to understand them and see where they're coming from and, and give them the benefit of the doubt, this was something that um, it really gets to the heart of why do we feel like we have the right to judge other people's motives? And he talks at the end there about going from judgment to compassion, and being able to, to serve others. And he, the, in Isaiah 58 there, it goes on to say, this is the kind of fast, not only just to you know, be, um, liberate those that um, are in debt to you, but to go beyond that. And it talks about, who are you inviting into your home? The homeless, are you inviting people in need? And he makes it really clear there. He says, this is not about throwing money at organizations to do the work for you. And he says, it's good. It's good to give money, to do the things, um, to give to organizations, to do the things you cannot do. This is about compassion flowing from your own heart and you personally impacting someone else's life, getting your hands dirty, messing up your schedule a little bit, taking more time with someone than you would actually want to. That's the kind of fast that God has chosen for us. On day 16, he talks about keeping the Sabbath. For some of us, we might need to start, you know, having a Sabbath. But I loved his, his graciousness in here because um, he said, you know, it's really for setting aside a day a week for worship, for forgiving people, for loving them in our actions, for communion, um, and to delight in God. And there's a lot of talk about what's really a Sabbath. Is this a Saturday? Is it a Friday night? Is it a Saturday? Is it a Sunday? Can you like buy something on a Sunday? Are you allowed to cook a meal? Um, is it okay if you don't cook a meal, but you go to a restaurant that someone else is working at? And <laughs> we don't need to get into that. He just makes it real simple. He says, ask the Holy Spirit to define what keeping the Sabbath looks like for you and your family. And um, for us, I feel like we're in another season of trying to get back into that because in certain seasons, it's really clear what it's supposed to look like for us. Um, right now, it looks like from about Saturday afternoon on, preparing our hearts, you know, cutting out media, things like that. Last night, Pete and I came here with a couple of our kids, and Brandy and Casey came too. It was pretty cool, and we just worshiped. We just worshiped and prayed. And we look at Sabbath is starting on Saturday afternoon. 
not when we wake up frantically on a Sunday morning and we've got to get here to worship God, but it's preparing our hearts before him. Okay, day 17, pray thy kingdom come. That's something that's seated throughout the entire book, that the whole purpose of a fast is to align our hearts with God's, to align our will with God's will for us, to align our prayers with what God is praying. With Jesus, you know, when he's interceding on our behalf, I'm always like, what is Jesus praying right now? I want to agree with his prayers. And sometimes, even when someone asks me to pray something very specific, I can sometimes feel an internal tension because um, I want to make sure that what I am praying is what the Holy Spirit is telling me to pray. Because I want to be agreeing with um, not just a person, I want to be agreeing with what God wants to do in that situation. And sometimes our petitions and our prayers of God, will you do something, aren't necessarily what he wants to do for us. And so he says, fasting is not a more intense form of requesting, nor is it a way to put on a better form of clean and paint myself with pure motives to coerce God into answering my requests. And he talks about his own personal experience of um, trying to fast to get God to do something. But he says when we draw close to God, um, God's going to reveal his heart and our prayers will change to reflect God's heart and his will. Day 18 um, is called Seek God and, and he cautions us here that the devil is ever seeking to get us to turn something that looks like a sacrifice into an obligation for which we want God to pay us back. So he's, he's cautioned us, you know, about this. But then he kind of, once again, switches and says, but now, you've taken all this time to get the heart of God. You've taken all this time to remove things from your life, to draw close, and to become more intimate with God. And now, I want you to ask, what is it that you really need from God? What do you desperately need from God? What are you hungry for in your life right now? Not Hungry, hungry, you know, when you're fasting, especially doing, you know, Daniel fast or food, you're hungry, you know, for food. What are you hungry for, though, in your life? What do you want to see happen? What is that deep cry and desire of your heart? And he says, ask, ask God liberally. The next day he's talking about seeking intimacy with God, and um, he talks about that fasting is inviting us to repent for any ways that our selfish tendencies have caused separation between us and God. And he talks about worldly sorrow. That's when you get, you know, caught for doing something wrong, or you actually maybe never got caught, but there are natural consequences and effects for the things that you've done. But godly sorrow is when we are broken about missing the nearness of God and the closeness with him. And that true repentance leads to changed minds, changed hearts. And so he invites us um, to ask, what is causing any separation that I'm experiencing? And, I, and it's very gracious. Sometimes we can beat ourselves up and come before God and already feel like we're not measuring up. Oh, I didn't read my Bible today. Oh, I missed church because I just needed to sleep in. And now God's probably not going to answer my prayer. God is not concerned about those um, religious or, or spiritual things that we deem spiritual. He's concerned about our hearts. Is there anything in our hearts, bitterness, unforgiveness? Is there um, maybe even just the way we view ourselves? God's not happy when we're too hard on ourselves. 
I can do that sometimes. People just be like, you're being so hard on yourself. Like, that's not from God. And I have to remind myself of that sometimes. God is not just like, you have groveled long enough now. Now, now I'm happy with you, and now I will answer your prayers. No, he's concerned about those places in my heart that are causing separation between me and him. And that very thing might be the fact that I beat myself up before I feel like I can come to God. The last, uh, second to last day here was inventory of, um, he talked about Jesus being our ultimate. And he says, when Jesus is your ultimate, you are free to thrive. When Jesus is your ultimate, when he has the ultimate place in your life, you're free to thrive. And um, he says, the sin that encircles my life and traps me, and we often think of sin as, you know, all these different words come into our head when we think of sin, but think of anything that confines your movement that you feel trapped by, and it is any thought, word, or deed that is not expressed from a heart in which Christ is ultimate. And so he invites us, are the things that are really important to you, and you're supposed to write those out, um, your relationships, your hobbies. He talks about maybe your relationship with your family is ultimate. But how even when it's a good thing to want to put your family first, um, but how if that becomes our ultimate, we can actually harm our family in a lot of ways. We can never fully satisfy our family. We can never fully make our family happy. That's not our job. He talked about something that really convicted me. He said um, his opinions. His opinions sometimes can be ultimate, and he can think his opinions, because he's close to God. If you feel close to God, you can think your opinions are God's opinions. And so writing those things out and saying, okay, God, what of my opinions have I put in a place in my life that are above you? Am I really surrendered to you in my thoughts? So what now? The whole point of that was, what now? So the first thing you do is eat, right? Has anyone already eaten after the fast? Or is this, I don't know, is this the first day? You're going to go eat. So please, after church, get around other people and be like, let's go feast together. We've been feasting on God, but let's, let's go feast on some real food now. The steak, the butter. I mean, like, I remember doing the first Daniel fast that we ever did for 21 days, and I just wanted butter so bad. I didn't even want sweet food anymore. That was so easy, but I just wanted butter and steak. And I'm not even a real meat person. The first thing I think, though, after you eat or while you're eating, maybe before you eat, say a prayer, but is to thank God for what he did in you and our church family through this fast. I've talked to so many people that um, have just been blown away by what God has done. And God always shows up. He always does something when we set aside time to, to seek his face. But this one has felt different. People, um, you know, it wasn't that kind of grudging, oh, I'm so hungry, I've got I've to do this. It was, it was this inner heart work that God was doing. And people are just like, man, God's so good. And I saw the ways that I was causing separation in my relationship with him, and I just want more of that. We can be excited to go eat food, but not have to set aside the intimacy part with God. And it doesn't mean like now that we're going to go back to eating like God's far away or something. He's still right there. 
And if you didn't do the fast, okay, I mean, you could be visiting or maybe you're like, I just didn't even get the book or I didn't feel like I had the time or maybe, you know, you went halfway through and didn't finish. I want to encourage you to, to jump back in if you started and you stopped. If you're just kind of like, well, everyone else already did the fast, do it. Do it with a friend. Do it with your spouse. Do it with your kids and your family. Do it because God wants us to be close to him. And a lot of us want that, but we can't always get there on our own. And this was an amazing way um, to just step by step be walked through something into more of a personal relationship with Christ. So ask the Holy Spirit. I think one of the most important things is to reflect when you've done something like this, to talk about it, to think about it, to go back and look through those daily journals and see what God did in you. But to ask the Holy Spirit, what things do you want me to continue doing? And what things do you want me to stop doing? Because now that the fast is over, you, you could complain again if you wanted to, right? Become critical, not forgive. There's so many, you know, not drink any water. And there's so many things you could do now that the fast is over. Because we're kind of like, freedom, you know. <laughs> but no, no, no. We want freedom from the things that ensnare us and entangle us. And so what is the Holy Spirit telling you? Maybe he's already talked to you about it. The very first real Daniel fast we did, um, something we continued as a very practical thing, was just Pete and I started doing green smoothies. And we've kind of continued that. One of the things I stopped doing, which might not seem very spiritual, but I used to always have coffee make creamers in my coffee. And uh, I was so excited to have that after the first 21 days. And I go to put it in my coffee, and I can taste all the chemicals right away. And I was like, cool, cool. <laughs> what, what's going on? That was something the Holy Spirit wanted me to stop doing, you know, putting the, the fake creamers in my coffee. No, not really. Um, <laughs> not really, guys. <laughs> what is the Holy Spirit saying, though? He's saying something to all of us, and it's, it's usually something really simple. It's not, you know, this huge long list of tasks we have to accomplish. I know for myself, the things that stood out were my opinions, submitting those to God, not thinking that my opinions are in alignment with God's always. Um, another thing was fasting from complaining and judging people's motives. Ugh. <laughs> Um, and then definitely my, my consumption. And um, I felt more often that I can do things with my kids, and that's relational if we're watching a movie or something. But how much am I doing things that separates me from them and actually separates me from other people and, of course, from what God is wanting to say to me? Will you guys stand? When we seek him, we are free to thrive I think that's something that um, we could all just say that we want to keep doing is continuing to seek the face of God, continuing to seek intimacy and relationship with them. He's not far away. He's not hidden. He's right here. It is usually us that can be sitting right next to God theoretically, you know, like he's right there. And we're the ones that sometimes don't want to be around him. We're the ones that can um, push him away. So the last day here, 21, was give him praise. Did anyone read that at the very end there, that, that daily decision where he talks about going into worship? I think that um, I'm going to read this real quick here. And uh, it's about worshiping God with all that we are and all we have. 
And whether you went through the entire 21 days and wrote in your journal and prayed the prayers and did the commitments, or whether you were like, man, this was really hard and kind of feeling like a failure and everyone else got blessed but not me, because I've experienced that before in fasts, um, where you're kind of mad at the people who are like, God's so good. He showed up in my life. And you're like, whatever. <laughs> I'm happy for you, but whatever. Um, you didn't miss out, guys. You did not miss out. God is here. He's not like, I'm not going to bless you because you didn't go through this book. This book is amazing, and I hope you still go through it. But um, he wants us to just come before him, to look at him, to focus on him, and to praise him, to give him our worship in our minds, in our heart, and in our bodies. He wants us to give him our all. So I want to read this, and then I'm going to invite you guys to... Get out of your seats. We're going to go back into worship. And I'm not anti the seats, but they are a literal comfort zone, okay? And we've talked about how the chairs, we're trying to fit everybody in here for one service, and we're going to, um, you know, we have to get the chairs so close together. You know, someone can't even walk by you when they need to go to the bathroom. You're just, like, trying to let the person by, and it's hard. I get it. So how about you just shake off that and get out into the aisles, get out into the front, get out into the back. It doesn't have to be the front here. But we're going to get out of our comfort zone to praise God with all that we are. And I always want to give the disclaimer, if you need to stay in your seat, you're not less holy, or if, you know, you're hurting and you need to sit down, that's fine. But if you are able-bodied, okay, if you can move out, I would suggest that you ask God, how can I give you more of myself in worship than I currently am? He says, go for it. No holding back all in. No looking back. Hands in the air, tears on the cheek, heart beating wildly, tongue in full motions, lungs emptied in exaltation, and joy brimming over the soul worship. That's the kind of worship I want to be a part of. He says, sing, man, sing. Or if you're a lady, sing, lady, sing. Today I crack open the jar. I let it go. I get lost in the spell of Jesus' words and Jesus' spirit. I don't attend some sing-along. I don't sit in the stands and spectate worship as a sporting event. I am not video-clicking on some concert, not just tapping my foot as my earbuds give me pure digital perfection. I engage all in. Feelings will not be my compass, only his word and the present power of his Holy Spirit who fills my life as I sing. Not even death will shut my mouth, for I will break into glory with foot stomping, body whirling, hand clapping, can't keep my heart and my tongue from shouting, praise Jesus the King. Come on, give in, say yes to Jesus. Let's give him praise.